Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by our buddy Jerry Ramsey, the franchise in Oklahoma City. And we we'll get Jerry's take on the Thunder and their bad night at the NBA Draft Lottery. And we'll also touch on a number of topics as well with Jerry when he stops by and joins us coming up in just a bit. Also going to have our top February story of the week at the end of the show as well. And a reminder as always to subscribe to the Report. New episodes out each and every week on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or don't believe what you want at all. Tom Bridges joins me right now. Tom, how we living? Hey, we're living our best life right now. It's uh, a nice, cool 70 degrees-ish here in Tulsa. It's been nice and cool for the past couple of days. Uh, like I said, we're living our best life. I'll go to Mexico here in two weeks, and so it's going to be the longest two weeks of my life coming up. Um, I'm right there with you, Tom. Like, uh, this weekend, I head out to Tampa, and it feels like a long time from now before I even reach that point. Like, uh, it, it cannot come here soon enough. I'm, I'm going with the rents for a couple of days to uh, Tampa. That should be uh, interesting. Uh, vacation just with mom and dad. Charlie and Tyler take Tampa Bay. <laughs> and Lisa. And Lisa. But no, Ash. Did you – Oh, I, are you and Charlie – we talked about last week – is there a shortage of strippers in Tampa Bay? <laughs> not to my knowledge, no. Um, that's not really Charlie's vibe. I don't think I'm going with my dad to the strip club, but we would take both. That's most city. <laughs> yeah, we yeah we need to. Are you are you guys? I, I was thinking about this too. Uh, Tampa Bay, not too far from the coast. I guess in this case, it would be the Gulf. Have you thought about a fishing trip? Because I've been looking at fishing trips here, uh, one for Cancun and another to potentially take my dad on at a later date. But if you get a chance, if you can just, you know, send old moms on their way, maybe to the uh, maybe to an outlet, like an outlet mall or some shopping, you and Charlie should go fishing. I don't know, I don't know what the the time allows, but right, this is think great. about that. You can get on a charter boat for really cheap. That go catch some, go catch some uh, fish out and out offshore. That sounds like a great plan. I like that idea. A little gone fishing. Now, doesn't gone fishing mean that you've been eliminated from the postseason? I don't feel like I'm eliminated. I mean, not yet. Uh, but you know, the uh, the thunder is as quick enough as that they were eliminated from the postseason. It didn't seem to pan out here a couple of days ago. Oh, man. Uh, I think that's a good place to start is uh, the draft lottery uh, on today's show. And you like that transition? I do like that transition. As painful as the lottery was for me, um, like, I just wanted to drink bleach after I saw the results of the draft lottery. I'm like, can I be anywhere else than in front of a TV right now? Where do I take my pain and suffering? Uh, now the Thunder have to wait another year before they can be relevant. Cade Cunningham's career is going to be just 
wasted in Detroit on a little five-year visit. And Detroit is such a dumpster fire that uh, nothing good is going to happen there. I felt bad in every way, not only as an Oklahoma City fan, that they didn't end up with the two top five picks, but then also for Cade, who I'm a huge fan of. I love Cade Cunningham. I think that he is uh, going to be a franchise player in this league uh, and somebody that we haven't seen before. And to see that his time can be wasted in Detroit, that just made me sick of myself. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's probably – it's probably 95% chance that he'll end up in the uh, Little Caesar shit palace, as I like to call it. Uh, they should have never got rid of Auburn, the palace at Auburn Hills. Uh, they should have just renovated it. I guess Little Caesar's Arena or whatever you call it is uh, – Obviously newer, but it's in a way different location. But that being said, uh, Pistons management or, you know, whoever it may be there in Detroit did say they are open to trading the number one pick. Um, and is so help me God, as long as it's not to Houston, um, I'm fine with wherever he goes. But there's there are some other teams talking about potentially trying to put a trade package together to get that number one spot. Uh, I, I mean, Tom, I would give up all three of my first round picks to go for one to get paid. If the, I'm, that might be happening. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Like I said, I figured if, you know, if I had a chance to get Cade, if, if I am a Spurs GM, uh, which no other franchise I'd rather work for, obviously, I would make the trade happen, maybe sign and trade DeMar and trade Derek White and Lonnie Walker and another first-round pick to go up to and the 12th overall pick for the Spurs to get that. But the Thunder have that draft capital. They can do it. Um, really, all I was waiting on, and it was almost immediate, was the announcement from the Pistons GMs and powers that be in Detroit that they were open to trading the first overall pick. So we're, you know, they did mention that Cade is only going to meet with the Pistons and yada, yada, yada. But I don't think we're done here yet. We got to, I think the, the draft's on July 29th. That means we got a, a pretty much a full four and a half weeks um, before we actually see that get done. And, and we've seen, you know, legendary trades happen on draft night. So, I don't think we're out of it yet. He doesn't necessarily have to die, live, I say die, live and die in Detroit. Um, doesn't have to be an Eminem story on 8 Mile. Uh, <laughs> in, right? He could uh, eat mom's spaghetti in a different city uh, before this is all said and done. I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing it. If I was Detroit, I think it'd be stupid not to just take Cade because uh, he's kind of a, I mean, a facilitator and, and just an overall, you know, an overall like complete player, I think already. So I think that'd be stupid not to, uh, but for Cade's sake, I'm, I'm thinking Detroit probably will fuck this up again. I oh. think last time they had this high of a pick, they took like Dario Milicic and the other picks were like number one, LeBron, and then the Pistons picked Dario. And then the second one was like Carmelo Anthony. Dwayne Wade and maybe even Chris Bosch after that. So uh, the Pistons have 
the Pistons have, uh, you know, eaten crow before on this pick. So, uh, and it would be the Pistons to trade it away. So maybe Kate doesn't have to uh, walk eight mile um, here in a month. God, I hope not. I don't want to see Cade in Detroit. I mean, uh, it's one thing that he's more than likely not going to play for the Thunder, but the fact that he gets stuck in Detroit of all places, I mean, you got like Toronto up there, which is a very good organization, very good franchise. Um, You know, even Houston, as much as I would hate to see it, that would be still a much better situation than uh, Detroit. I just feel bad for – uh, for Cade that going to Detroit, that that feels like getting drafted by the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much you're pretty much spot on there. I, I think the only worst place that you could go besides Detroit, and obviously I, I didn't want to see him go to Houston because I'm a Spurs fan and I I'd, I'd hate to have to root against him. Um, but I think the only worst place would be the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they're in even a better situation than Detroit is right now. Um, Detroit is young, though. Maybe Cade's the piece to get them back on track, but they're they're not going to end up in the Eastern Conference Finals anytime soon, not even with the addition of Cade. When I saw Ben Wallace announce the lottery pick and they were introducing him, 2004 NBA champion. Uh, new Hall of Famer, Ben Wallace. Like, man, it's been a minute since the Pistons were relevant. That was a long. I mean, yeah, Ben Wallace was so gray. I was like, oh my god, I'm old. Those those Pistons teams were so fun too. Ben and Rasheed and Rip and Chauncey. I mean, uh, if if Larry Brown doesn't get fired, that team could have won three times. Yeah, probably. I mean, they had a they had a a pretty decent run in the early 2000s, obviously, with, you know, Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace, Rashid Wallace, Sean Prince. I mean, um, almost said Nazir Muhammad, but it's not Muhammad. It's um, – I can't for, – I forget the other guy's name. Uh, he ended up playing for the Spurs later on. But uh, that being said, when we mentioned the Pistons and – Rip Hamilton in the early 2000s. We talk about mask. Jones, another guy is about to get a mask, and I'm really liking the uh, opportunity for Suns and Four. Yeah, well, uh, we'll get to that here in, in the, just a second. Uh, okay, I thought we were. I was trying to go for the next transition, but no, no, uh, yeah, done, Devin Booker is going to be. We're not done on the lottery. We're not done on the lottery. Leave, leave, uh, go leave for the transitions it. to me. I got. You. Uh, <laughs> now, also in the lottery, uh, we see a Cleveland get up there. And, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, Tom, but I am a connected dots guy. And I can connect the dots that the ping pong balls have been very friendly to the Cavaliers over the years. What the hell is going on? Yeah, they have. Uh, and, and especially since, you know, here recently they – have won a championship in Cleveland, thanks to LeBron. But uh, everything else, I mean, they've always been right. There. It seems like they just luck out year after year. And and I don't know what it is. Uh, I mean, they never seem to really make sense of anything. I'll tell you one pick that I like from the Cavs that I think has turned out to be a great one. Colin Sexton, I think, has been phenomenal. Um 
but anything outside of that, really, no really movers and shakers with all these, you know, you know, upper echelon picks that they've had. Um, And I don't know. I don't know what has to happen for them to, you know, get out of the draft lot. I think when you look at these picks, Tom, of the players available, Cade, Evan Mobley, Suggs, those three, I think, are on their own pedestal. It's a very deep draft. Um, I mean, when we're talking about Jared Butler going all the way to maybe 18 or 20 when, you know, he's – you know, one heck of a guard. You know, I think he's top 10 worthy, but they're they're saying he could go there. Davion Mitchell potentially, you know, top 10 and such. Um, I do think that there's that first tier of superstar talent of Cunningham, Mobley, and Suggs. And I would probably go Cunningham one, Suggs two, Mobley three. And then I think there's a drop off from there. I think there's a lot of good players after that. But I do think those three are in a league of their own. I would ta- I'd take those three. And if you're a franchise, if you get any of those three, I think you should be thrilled. It's that fourth spot. Once Toronto starts picking it, you're like, oh, damn, you know, now, now this draft has changed a bit. Yeah, Jones, Jones just said it. There's, there's your top three, and then there's everybody else. Though I would say, I feel like. As far as just overall this draft is pretty um, I feel like even all the way down to six you can get a solid player with you know with the chance of of maybe landing your like I, I like to call it your Kawhi Leonard, granted that he was like the I think the twelfth overall way back in the day. Um, but you there are still players out there that will you know that these teams can get um to fill your needs i mean this isn't just a barren draft i would call it but um like you said you have your top three and then everybody else and i agree with that but i still feel like this draft has some solid players in it um that you can get you know that value at any given pick at least in the top 16 um you know i feel like this draft you know, teams can can get who they want because there's so many options. Um, but again, those top three, and then it's everybody else. But I'm not counting out everybody else either. I mean, well, those top watching. three versus the field, uh, you can still get you can still get a a maybe a future Hall of Famer. I'm I mean that's bold, but I think this draft's pretty solid all around. Well, if you believe that, then who do you like? Who's got potential to be a potential Hall of Famer that's not one of the top three picks? I mean, there's uh, the thing about the field versus your top three, and and you mentioned your top. Those are my top. So many, it's so many different talents, um, and all around. So, like, I feel like there's so much value that's not being talked about. I'm pulling something up here. Um, obviously, you have Kate Cunningham. I think he's going to be crazy. From what I can see, probably the Thunder, if they can pull it off, they're going to get Jonathan Kuminga, which I think is for how it shaked out for the Thunder. If your consolation prize is Jonathan Kuminga, I'm. I'm right up there for you. You you mentioned Davion Mitchell. 
Hopefully he doesn't drop, drop to the Warriors. I think he could. Maybe the Magic still Kuminga. I don't know. But then from there, I feel like you have Jalen Johnson, Josh Giddy, Moses Moody is a name that I've heard a lot, uh, as well as Isaiah Jackson. Um, I think that that talent, I think the talents there outside of those three, um, you mentioned Suggs. I've also heard Jalen Green be thrown around. Um, maybe he's a, a higher up pick, but uh, I mean, there are so many other players in this. Uh, there, I mean, UConn guard, I, what's the James? I think it's Boot Knight. Um, is being thrown around. There's so many other players being just thrown around, other prospects that are thrown around. This is not a I don't feel like this is a, oh, well, you know, top five are gone. We might as well just pick whoever. Uh, I feel like there is talent there. I feel like this is one of the deeper drafts we've seen in a while. Uh, heard Corey Kispert thrown around. I mean, the top 16, I feel like you can't go wrong. If you're a team in the top 16, I feel like you are going to be able to draft your needs. No problem. Uh, maybe I'll eat crow later on, but. I like this year's draft a lot more than I do last year's draft. Yeah, it's one of the deepest drafts we've seen in a long time. That's what Jay Bellis was saying just the other night, that uh, it's stacking up that way, the way the talent works out. One more thing on the draft lottery uh, that I'll bring up here, Tom, is uh, Golden State, they end up with uh, two picks in the lottery, and – it's an interesting situation uh, for Golden State, a team that you know barely missed the playoffs. Not a bad predicament with those two first-round picks. They used their uh, what was it, number two overall pick last year on a Wiseman from Memphis. We didn't see a whole lot of him this year, but uh, he, he's expected to be a big-time player in the future. Where I look at for Golden State, Tom, is that okay? You got these picks, you got this young talent and such, but Draymond Green's getting older. Clay Thompson and you know can't stay healthy. Uh, and Steph Curry, although he's played as good a basketball he's played in his entire career right now, um, your your time is still limited of that window with, with Steph playing at this peak performance that he's at right now. I mean, it, it's in Golden State's case, you almost wonder, okay, can you can you package these picks and get a player of some sorts? Because it does feel like that especially with these last couple of years wasted, that that franchise is kind of running out of time of sorts. And I don't know if they have time to develop young talent with uh, where their current stars are at right now. No, I don't think they do either. And you mentioned Clay Thompson. He's just shoot back to shooting uh, basketballs here in the last week. Um, good for him. He's, he's going to get back on the floor this next season and, and maybe they could surprise. I mean, they, they played pretty tough. Obviously, didn't didn't make the playoffs, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, they that that paid off pretty well for them. Um, I, I think I think James Wiseman. I think he'll develop some more. If if I had to call it, I think they will potentially package one of those picks and potentially Draymond Green. He seems to be the most expendable piece of this. Um, to package him off and, and get another player to, to shove that window open just a little bit more. But 
Uh, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. That window is closing, and, and we don't know what type of player Clay Thompson will come back and be. I mean, the man hasn't played in two years. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what type of player he is. Is he going to be a shell of his former self, or is he going to have a KD coming out party and, and just get back to what he was? Uh, that remains to be seen. Obviously, we'll we'll find out in in you know next season. But um, the Warriors will have to do something. Um, I mean, at, at this point, Steph is getting older. I don't know if he's going to age as gracefully as LeBron James. He very well might. Um, he's already had more injuries than LeBron has at this point. That's that's very true. I I feel like Steph is going to be able to keep the high level of play up for a few more years. Uh, and then, you know, who knows what after that. But if you're the Warriors, you gotta you gotta look to get another championship if you can. I mean, with that core still intact, uh, you, you, I mean, in the draft capital that they have, you gotta sh- maybe shift some things around. I, if I had to bet, I'm gonna say Draymond Green in a pick uh, for someone who could maybe shake that frame up there in Golden State. Yeah, maybe so. Um, it, it'll be interesting to watch and. And also, you got to think about Steve Kerr and all this. You know, Steve Kerr, uh, with the back issues that he had a couple of years ago, uh, I don't think Steve Kerr is going to do this forever, Tom. Uh, I think that Steve Kerr is, you know, one of the top three coaches in this league and has done a phenomenal job, obviously. But um, I don't know how much longer he's going to be around. I think what we saw with the Celtics and Brad Stevens stepping aside, um, I think that – could be an indicator for the rest of the league, you know, that, hey, these elite coaches, they don't have to do this forever. And, and I've always felt that way about Steve Kerr. I don't think he's going to be uh, at Golden State any more than, than five years max, in all honesty. Yeah, neither do I. And, and he's the type of coach that he – well, I mean, what hasn't he done? Uh, I mean, he had the overall record for most wins in a season. I mean – He's has the championships. I mean, he's been there, done that, been around the block a couple of times. Uh, there's there's not a whole lot that he has to prove. He's not going to chase, you know, the the Larry Browns or the the Greg Popoviches. He's not going for that overall win record. Uh, and he's, to be honest, I don't think he's close. Uh, he'd have to be around a lot longer and, and probably a lot longer than he'd like. So I, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to – to be around for much longer. And I don't think he has the, I'm not going to say he doesn't have the passion for it, but he, he just, he didn't have the need for it. I mean, I don't blame him. Uh, he's, I mean, he's already done what he needed to do. I think probably he'll, he'll coach. I would imagine until Steph Curry's done, I think he hangs it up. Uh, and like I said, he's, he's done it as a player. He's done it as a coach. Uh, he's a hell of a broadcaster, too. He'll have those opportunities waiting for him when he's done coaching. And I'm sure Turner. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's set. Right. He'll make plenty of good money on TV, too. So that's nice to have in your back pocket if you're Steve Kerr, as far as that goes. Let's move on. Let's talk about the uh, NBA playoffs. Uh, conference finals are here. Let's start out with uh, Phoenix and Los Angeles, that being the Clippers. Uh, what a game the other night, game two. That, Tom, um, as I sit here a couple days later, I'm still in awe. That was one of the greatest games I have ever seen and one of the best finishes 
I've seen in recent memory. The only thing that took away from it a bit was uh, the officiating of all the stoppages and reviews and all that. Uh, instead of just letting the players play, it was a bit too much. And, and Ben Gundy talked about that on the broadcast that, that the refs were just letting things get out of hand, that they weren't controlling the situation better than what they should. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, no Chris Paul, no Kawhi Leonard, um, and the Suns have not let up. I mean, Monty Williams has done an incredible job opening up things for Devin Booker to really just let him unleash. We've seen DeAndre Ayton come out of his shell and just be a different player this postseason than what he's been his entire career at this point. And meanwhile, the other side for the Clippers, the way that they collapsed the other night um, was very on brand for the Clippers and Paul George. Paul George misses those free throws down the stretch. Um, the, the way that they just choked and gave that one away, um, the Clippers had every opportunity to win that game and was gone just like that within a matter of moments, matter of seconds here. And they have no one to blame but themselves. I mean, it was uh, – it was very fitting. I mean, it, it was just all on brand. It was, uh, it, it was a heck of a night. That was one to remember, that game two performance uh, by the Phoenix Suns. And to think, too, that two all-stars were missing and yet still had a great game like this. Um, credit to the NBA for the product they're putting out there that you could be lacking stars and still put together, you know, a game that was that felt like the NBA Finals. I mean, I, I just – you know, applause is all around except for the officiating. Yeah, don't you mention the the officiating? I thought both teams at the end benefited from it because, I mean, it was gave pretty much, I feel like, both teams an extra timeout that they did not have. Um, and, and I guess at the end, it, it didn't really benefit the Clippers because they did try to make a substitution. Uh, you know, Van Gundy said, hey, you know, you can't you can't make that substitution. What also Jeff Van Gundy mentioned during that final, essentially the final play where Crowder lobbed it into Aiden, uh, is before that even happened, they you know, both commentators mentioned the what could have happened and it ended up did happening, a little touch and go to Aiden above the rim. Uh, they also mentioned that hey, it's a dead ball until it's touched. There's no goaltending on an inbounds pass. Uh, be, I mean, because you, I mean, you can't shoot the ball from out of bounds, but it was pretty damn close from Jay Crowder. What a pass, uh, from him to lob to Aiton and what a finish by Aiton. But, uh, they even mentioned that you had Paul George doing, you know, circling his finger like above the cylinder. No, they, you know, a lot of players, I feel like don't even know that, that you can lob it from out of bounds and get that kind of dunk on any given night. And it's not goaltending. It's not above the cylinder. You can do that. Um, and and Van Gundy called it perfectly. I feel like they called the play even before it even happened to Aiden. Uh, shades of Tyson Chandler years and years ago uh, where essentially the same thing happened. Uh, and for the same Suns team. So uh, great call by them. You know, you mentioned the officiating did not go the way it won't, you know, should have happened. But I felt like that last two minutes took a freaking hour. Uh, but I was here for it. You were there for it. 
that was some of the best back and forth basketball I've ever witnessed in that final play. I, I was laying in bed. I got up out of bed because I was so hype. I was like, no way. Uh, I was texting my sister. She was watching it too. And we both were like, no freaking way. Like what a game that was that that's why the freaking ratings are so high. It's not the same, you know, it's not the same bullshit teams we've seen forever. It's two new bloods in the game. Uh, and, and it was a fucking game. Uh, that's why the rate, I mean, I don't know if you saw the ratings for that game and for just, you know, these past couple of NBA playoff games, it's like it's been forever since like, Oh, two, since they started recording it, you know, they, they mentioned that, Oh, basketball ratings are down and yada, yada, yada. No, they're on the rise. And I think it's because these new bloods in the game. That was Jones. When we look back years from now, you know, and I, I think I tweeted out 23. We're going to talk about this game. That was one of the most phenomenal NBA basketball games I've ever seen. It was amazing. And, you know, everything about it, even the way that, you know, we heard from Van Gundy and, and Mike Green just living up to the moment, uh, adding to it was just phenomenal, too. Uh, it, it was one for the history books. And now, Going forward the rest of the way, it looks like Chris Paul's going to be back for game three. No Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers, more than likely for uh, game three. Sun's in great shape at this point, Tom. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if they pull off this uh, Suns and four here. I mean, they look like the better team, and they're about to get significantly better here, too. Are you ready to call Suns and four? Uh, I think so. I think Suns and Five. Okay. I want I want Suns and Four to continue that meme. I don't know if you've seen uh Suns and Four guy is getting selfies in the crowd. He's living his best life right now. The hell they've made shirts. Uh I mean, for what it's worth, that fight was completely worth it. Uh, you know, he didn't get rocked and now he's you know, living his best life. I don't even know at this point if he's even paying for tickets. I don't know if he's going to get to go at this point. And I hope he, you know, I'm sure he hopes he doesn't to another Western Conference Finals game unless he travels to L.A. Uh, but I'm, at this point, I, I feel like the Suns kind of have made him the fan base's mascot in a way. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't doubt if he's getting free tickets to the game. Um, for where he's sitting at and to be able to go to the playoff game i'm sure he doesn't have any shortage of money i thought he was uh, allowed that, in the building after all no well i i think that was i think at first that was the case and then they reviewed the footage and and was like oh well, hey that's not you know he's he's not necessarily at fault here just kind of ending the fight before it even took off further which i mean i don't blame the man um, but upon like further review, they let him back in and he was at, I believe he was at game. Um, yeah, I guess this would have been game one. I know he was at game one, uh, because they were showing him taking pictures with people and people asking him for selfies. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is in the building. I did. I, they did mention that though, when that happened, that he was like escorted out, you know, a lot of the times any issues that happen like that. Um, in the NBA, it's like you're banned. 
you're not coming back like it's banned right, for right. life type deal. And I think that's what it was, but then it got reversed and he was I, I know he was a game one. The uh um, the Suns uh for the Valley thing though, that's gotta stop. I'm like, really You're not a fan of the Valley? Uh I mean They've had some great uniforms. I love what they wore in the nineties with Chuck and all that. Like bring that back. Not the for the valley garbage. I don't mind those. The valley maybe a little overdone, but they even they did call that uh, you know, Crowder to eight and lob at the end. They're uh you know, I on Twitter I put that should be called the Yak. Uh maybe not the best name, but I was so high for the time. I still like the yak, but what they're trying to call it now is the Valley Oop. The Valley Oop, okay. The Valley Oop. I mean, like, for the, does anyone even know the name of the valley they're in? I have no clue. Right. I have not a clue. What is this valley you speak of, right? I mean, I mean, it's listen, those f***ers are so far from the Grand Canyon. Phoenix is so far from northern Arizona where the Grand Canyon is actually at. What valley are they? they in <laughs> we need an idea i don't i don't know the only the only valley i guess that i'm aware of in arizona would be the grand canyon and i don't i don't I think it's too even too big to be called a valley oh man how about the uh, hawks and box game one was last night the hawks get the best of the box as uh, trey young went off 48 points the most points ever by a player in a uh, semifinal or NBA final game uh, that's 22 years old or younger. Uh, pretty impressive numbers uh, from a Trey Young there. And, you know, it was a couple weeks ago, Tom, that when the Hawks got past the Knicks, you said, okay, congrats, but, you know, I mean, you're not going anywhere. You know, it's just got a, you know, a nice moment in the sun for you to get the second round. And here they are beating Milwaukee on the road and winning in dominating fashion to have that performance from Trey, Atlanta, they can win this series. Atlanta could be in the NBA Finals here. I mean, that is how far things have come with this Atlanta Hawks team with, with Trey and Clint Capella and Gavinari and some of these guys. They have grown up quickly. Nate McMillan has done an incredible job here. Uh, with uh, with this franchise, with how they've come together in just really, you know, a few weeks at that matter. Um, I, I'm highly impressed here. And on the flip side for the Bucks, this team the last few years has found new ways to choke when they've had everything put before them. Um, they did get by the Nets, and that was impressive, even though the Nets were shorthanded. But I, I'm wondering if if this is it, where the the, the uh, Bucks lose when they're not supposed to again. It feels like we've been disappointed by them one too many times. We, we might be at this road one more time. Yeah, I mean, last night's game was it was phenomenal. It, it paired in comparison to, you know, the previous Suns-Clippers game. But last night, you know, that was that was a solid overall game as well. Uh, but you, you mentioned the Hawks, man. Golly, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm impressed for one, but even more so, just shocked. I, and I don't think anybody called this. Sure, they had the first round matchup with the, with you know, with the Knicks, but uh, you know, from there, did not expect them to get out of the second round. And and 
to be where they're at up 1-0 on the Bucks, I would not have expected that either. Uh, I mean, Billen's done a great job. You know, there was a lot of talk of John Collins leaving the the Hawks at the end of the season and and going to a new team and a lot of a lot of Spurs talk to get John Collins. I know that just following that, you know, talk and and hypothetical, but uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. I, after after this, I don't I mean, even if they lose to the Bucks, I don't think he's going anywhere. Now you mentioned the Bucks. If they lose. Mike Bulldozer's done in Milwaukee, and and I've even heard rumors of, okay, Bulldozer's done anyway, unless he pulls off a finals appearance or maybe a finals victory. I've also heard rumors of Rick Carlisle going to Milwaukee. Uh, and I've already heard that's set in stone. Maybe I don't know, you know, how much to pay to that, but God, if, if the Bucks ruin this. If the Bucks don't pull this off, don't I mean no discredit to to the Atlanta Hawks, but this the Bucks should be the Bucks should win this. Uh, I, mean, I mean, yeah, like the Bucks should win this. Not only if the Bucks lose, do you lose Mike Budenholzer, which might already be set in stone unless they pull this off. They might just you know they come out and be like, we've mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, that bullshit, but not only that, I mean, I mean, for what it's worth, uh, you know, for what it's worth, I mean, mute me or not mute me here, bleep me here, Mike Budenholzer, he's a Spurs guy, I love him, but at the same time, fuck Mike Budenholzer, you're not worried about him, you're worried about Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, because if this doesn't work out, he's gone, he's freaking done, he's going, hopefully not to a super team, but more than likely so, if you don't pull this off and you don't get your team to the finals or even outright win this thing, uh, done. It's, it's finished. He's not going to be in Milwaukee anymore. There's already been talks of it. And I think if you're a Bucks fan or even just an avid Bucks watcher, you got to be like, hey, this isn't about the coach. This isn't about even in this isn't even about this series. You got to look long term of, hey, what happens to the Milwaukee Bucks if they lose Giannis Antetokounmpo? This series They're... right now is the most important playoff series uh, in the history of the Milwaukee Bucks franchise, at least in, in recent memory anyway, um, because their future, their franchise is on the line right now. Oh, 100% it is. I mean, I mean, it's it's – it's gotten to a point where it's like, okay, hey, sure, we'll be nice to go ahead and win the finals. And and I, I think that's almost a prerequisite to keeping not only Mike Boldenholzer if you want to, but also keeping more importantly, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, are you are you joking me? There's I mean, I mean there has to be some sort of a you know uh some sort of a uh you know like a a want to a, a give a you know, immediacy. I don't even right. know if that's a word, but I'm using it. Immediacy. You got to, you, I don't think a lot of people, a lot of people aren't even talking about that, Jones. How, how important this is to the whole, to the freaking whole city of Milwaukee. Do you want to go back to a relevance? Like, you, do you want to be a team again? Like, no one's even saying anything about it. And then I'm like, hey, if this is me, this is the Spurs. I'm like, hey, guys, uh, listen. We got to go ahead and uh, 
get this knocked out unless we want to, you know, be back in the draft lotto in two years. Yeah, that's what's at stake here. Uh, we'll wrap up on this. Of this final four, no team has won a title since like this, what is it, the 70s or something like that? Uh, it's been a, Before it's been a, the merger. Yeah. Um, of these four, the team I think that's the best right now, Tom, is Phoenix. I would put, if you made me put my chips all in a pile in one of these four, I'm riding with the Phoenix Suns. I think they are playing the best of the four right now. They're the most complete, and they're only going to get better when Chris Paul comes back here in game three. Um, I'm all in on Phoenix right now if you made me pick one of these four. And I know that uh, I, I've been like a bit of a curse of some sort when it comes to these playoffs. You know, I was, uh, I was feeling the Jazz and the Nets before this thing began. They're both sitting home right now. So I know I haven't had a great feel for this playoffs from the onset. I don't think anybody really has. But right now, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm riding and dying with the, uh, with the Phoenix Suns right now. Who are you riding and dying? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be Phoenix, right? I mean, that I mean that game, game two, momentum after that, no Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi's not coming back to save the Clippers. Um, you know, and, and pandemic P, he showed everything. You know, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, well, he, he shut down Devin Booker. Duh, 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 duh. I don't care what he did. You know, there were several shots I saw Booker make that I was like, well, no. That wasn't shutting him down very much. And, you know, there were other players. You know, Michael Bridges had a great game. So did Aiden, obviously. Um, I mean, you got to ride with the Suns here. I, I, I mean, that momentum after that game two win, it's going to be really hard to beat them. Yeah. So, there you have it. NBA playoffs breakdown. It's been pretty exciting so far at this point, And we'll continue to uh, follow it here on the uh, Jones Court. We're going to step aside, and uh, when we come back, we're uh, going to be joined by Jerry Ramsey, the franchise in Oklahoma City. Still have our top four story of the week as well, coming up in just a little while from right now as well. No Coach Bo's football fixed this week. Bo is an awful here from him again in a couple of weeks, uh, but it is still a good time to tell you about the folks at O'Connor Advisory Group. Uh, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. You can reach out to Bo at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today on uh, the email, Brian, that's B-R-Y-A-N, dot O'Connor at LPL.com. Brian.O'Connor at LPL.com. You can also reach out to O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook. Jerry Ramsey joins us next. Stay with us. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week is Jerry Ramsey from the franchise in Oklahoma City as he makes his return to the show. Jerry, always appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. And I didn't know this until about five minutes ago that you're actually right in my backyard right now. What, what are you doing here at all? Oh, are you kidding me? We came out here to go and see my son. Uh, he is stationed in the Air Force here. At, uh, we're in Bellevue. And uh, every chance we get a uh, you know, chance to come up here and see him, that's what we're doing. So, yeah, uh, in Omaha, I was hoping maybe to catch a, a couple of uh, College World Series games while I was up here and uh, just enjoying the sights and sounds uh, that everything that Omaha has to bring. <laughs> Joining me on vacation, even. Like, if, if I would have known, I wouldn't even asked here to come on. But uh, he, he's here with us anyway. So we thank you, man. 
I tell you what, whenever Tyler Jones uh, messages you and says, hey, can you be on the show? I only have two questions. Uh, where and what time? I mean, come on, dude. You've been uh, incredible for us in Oklahoma City. Every time we've uh, ha- asked you for a guest, you've obliged. So uh, it's the least I could do. Least I could. Hey, I'm glad to do it anytime, man. Uh, certainly, as a mutual goes uh, back both ways. Jared, before we talk to a shop, what's uh, been going on with you and uh, the gang in Oklahoma City these days, man? Now, it's everything going on, and and supposedly, uh, people told me, and I've been doing radio for a little while now, that this is the slow time in sports, but uh, with the NBA extending out its season, uh, you talk about the Champion Barbecue that's going on at OU, and they're trying to do their, you know, recruiting wars and trying to get guys on campus, plus the softball team winning a national championship. It really hasn't slowed down that much for me yet. So I'm looking forward to seeing this slow time in sports uh, in Oklahoma. So, Well, that, uh, that softball national championship, that was such a big deal. I mean, that team fought back from a couple different lawsuits and still going to be put away. And Patagasso gets it done for the fifth time. Uh, you talk about one of the most underappreciated or underrecognized stories in sports. It's the greatness of that Oklahoma softball program. I mean, Patagasso is as good as it gets. Uh, Pettigasso is the best coach uh, skipper on campus. Uh, that goes without saying. She has everything that every other coach wants, and, and that's the jewelry that goes with national championships. Uh, I found it funny whenever OU hired their new men's basketball coach that one of the proceeds they did was have them go kiss the ring of uh, Lincoln Riley. Got to all have a photo op with you know Lincoln Riley, and I said you know uh, quite a few times. You need to go kiss the ring of Patty Gasso. She's actually the real national champion that's on campus. And what's come from this, actually, Tyler, is uh, the you know the ratings were incredibly high. Uh, OU got an ABC national spot, and I think Patty Gasso is starting to flex her muscles about not only what she wants as far as maybe a new ballpark uh, for the softball team in OU, but changing the way that they schedule the women's college World Series. Uh, if you re- if you remember this, there was a game that had to be played between uh, OSU uh, OSU that night and had to go well into the morning. And she said they don't do that in other sports. And it's time that you know if you're going to use softball as a cash cow NCAA, you need to start using them right at least. Oh, and then that final for it to be in the middle of the day on a Thursday, that game three, that was just ridiculous too. I mean, you mentioned how well the uh, ratings were. I applaud Patty Gasso for speaking up, uh, doing her part to really grow the sport, it seems. No, absolutely. And she is, uh, you know, we've talked to her, and she is everything you want in a superior coach. She has all the swag. We talked to her about recruiting, and basically her recruiting now is, do you want to win with us or not? Because we're going to win. And we're talking, you know, the best players in the nation. She goes on their couch and says that to them. Uh, but she also understands – uh, what the uh, fight is going to be trying to get her sport to get the respect that it, I mean, it deserves. They've worked to get that sport to be one of the most respected college uh, programs and, and college institutions in, in all of sports. So uh, she knows the fight ahead of her. Uh, she's confident enough in her own team in her own backyard. It's a very nice mix. That is uh, terrific. Uh, great stuff there from that uh, Oklahoma softball program. NBA draft lottery was uh, just the other night. Not the news Oklahoma City wanted, Jerry, uh, with that number six pick and not getting the uh, Houston Rockets pick. What do you think that they'll do now with that uh, sixth pick? And 
the other picks they have in mind. Could we see a trade package of some sort? What does Sam Presti do next? All right. This is uh, this is how I equate this. And I, I know we've all seen – I grew up watching The Love Boat, but it's in movies and all that stuff. And, I okay, you know what I'm talking about whenever I say – all options are on the table. You go to a party, there's a fishbowl, you put your keys in, uh, everybody is game for whatever it is. All options are on the table. Every single scenario right now is in front of Sam Presti. Uh, he had a, he did have a press availability right before the lottery and he kind of talked about, um, you know, sort of, it's, it's like scratching a lotto ticket out whenever you get a you know convenience store. You, you don't know what you're going to get. So as soon as he found out what order he was going to be, who he was going to be able to pick, uh, kind of the pool of guys that are going to be available, that's when he's going to work. So right now, could they, could they package their three guys to move up to get whatever they want? Are there other toxic salaries around the NBA that they might take on? You know, Tyler, not just one, but even two toxic salaries because they're one of the lowest, uh, you know, salary team in the NBA. I mean, I'm dead serious. If you wanted to write an article about the different ways that Oklahoma City was going to go in the next month, every scenario you put down has a twinge of truth to it. So it is. It's just it's crazy what what the possibilities are for Oklahoma City right now. Well, the way I look at it, Jerry, is I think when you look at the top three of this draft, with Kate Cunningham, you're very familiar with, obviously, there with Oklahoma State. Uh, Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobley. I think those three have kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack. If I'm the Thunder, if I'm Sam Presti, I'd make it my goal get one of those three guys, especially Cade if you can. But that would be my target, Jerry, is uh, go for one of those three. What say you? I'm telling you, listen here. I think this is a uh, a longer expanded version of a, a replenishment than a lot of people really expect. I don't think so. I, I think that you have uh, you have three top uh, you have three first round picks this year uh that are at your disposal uh you have a young core of uh and a bunch of guards tyler uh that you can work with and like i said being at the bottom of the salary you can package a lot of your futures to get whatever you want to move next year is not going to be a year of movement for the oklahoma city thunder as far as trying to make a, a playoff or maybe even a play-in game it's another year of development so i think honestly if a uh, you know opportunity presents itself you you do that but i don't think that uh, it's necessarily an absolute to have to move up to get those guys and i'll tell you this too the top three that you're talking about has really expanded into the top six and Scotty Barnes, who is now that <clears throat> number six guy that not too many people have talked about. You also, you know, you talk about Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen Green, uh, the two guys from the G League. Those guys are also included as a quote unquote, and you know this is, is better, better than anybody, quote unquote, can't miss guys. It's really expanded into a top six uh, where the Oklahoma City Thunder, whatever scraps they get out of the top five, still is going to be a very, uh, very very easy to develop in the system that they have with the flexibility that they have. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's fascinating uh, there in that situation for Oklahoma City now. So you say that next year is another, you know, rebuild year. Um, what do you think the timeline is for Oklahoma City? What is uh, realistically the, the speed you think the Thunder can get back to being competitive? It seems like it's still a long road ahead, really just – I mean – Tyler, it's 30-plus picks in the next five years. 30-plus picks in the next three to five years. Uh, I think in year three, the last year was year one. 
year three is whenever they're really going to start making a move. And you think about all the collection of talent they would have been able to get by that time. Obviously, they're going to be, you know, in the time and, you know, in the first round again. But then, Tyler, all like I said, they don't underestimate being able to take on these toxic contracts that end up and you still have plenty of room to go now add plus the uh, assets that you have in the draft. I think it is going to be another couple of years before the Oklahoma City Thunder really set foot and say, hey, this is our team going forward. Okay. So there you have it. Uh, still a while away for uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, of this franchise right now, I look at uh, SGA as a guy that can be your number two player. I don't think he can be your uh, your franchise player. Is there some pieces besides just SGA you think the Thunder will – look to hold on to what do you make of just this roster right now and where they uh, go from here here's the fun part i think it's all on the table uh lou dort did show himself to be a very very good defensive player uh i think if you ask around the league uh he's sort of that hipster pick right he's that hipster guy that you tend to get onto before they're cool and uh so there's you know lou dort is a guy i think that they want to go forward then but after that I'm telling you, whoever they pick up in this draft in the first round, right? I think that there is a guy that they're going to look to go forward. But there's just so many questions everywhere um, as far as what they need. Can they improve? Who they can get? Everybody's on the table. Theo Maladon uh, is a guy that – a point guard that they got over. Uh, he was a project, and it worked out pretty well for him, a second-round guy. And, of course, there's Alexi Podkoshevsky, which is just the most – I'm sorry. I think he's the most interesting piece in the NBA. And I know I'm a little biased because I cover the Thunder, but here's a guy that goes about seven, seven, one. He can handle, he can shoot. Uh, yeah. He only weighs 125 pounds guys soaking wet. He's a bag of laundry, but he does have that desire and he has that it factor that there are times this, you know, this year where he thought he was the best player on the, on the court. He was taking shots, being aggressive, uh, so how he develops, I think, is huge. And I think the Thunder really love his upside. Oh, I love him, too. Poku is uh, something else uh, that, that is uh, for sure. We mentioned Kate Cunningham. You saw him a lot there in uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, looks like that he'll land in Detroit, uh, unless Detroit trades that pick. What is uh, Detroit or someone else going to get when they get out of uh, Kate Cunningham? I mean, he's so special. I think that Cade Cunningham, the special thing that they're going to get in Cade Cunningham uh, is not just his athleticism, because a lot of people don't think he's athletic and maybe as some of the other guys in the top five. He is. He just hasn't had to use it. His basketball IQ is the one thing that sets him apart, especially as a freshman. Uh, and you look at it, this side of, of Trey Young, who else has had more attention spotlight put on them in the college game than Cade Cunningham? His teammates loved him. He knew when to get them involved. He knew when to take over. Uh, Mike Boynton, the coach for OSU, uh, just thought he was great. Uh, so it all really worked out. I think Kate is going to be really good in the NBA. Uh, listen, if you're Detroit, you go ahead and get this guy for this reason. If he's a bust and you take Kate Kenningham at number one, that is not a you problem. That was the Kate problem. You're not going to get fired. Now, if you try to be the smartest guy in the room and you maneuver and try to get another guy and Kate ends up being this monster, that's a good way to get fired. I agree. Uh, what I hate for Cade, though, is that Detroit's been such a mess of a franchise the last decade or so since they've really been relevant. I feel like 
more than likely this is going to be a five-year stay in, in uh, Detroit for Kate before he moves on to find somewhere that's competitive. Uh, I mean, I, I feel bad for him that uh, it, it, it seems like that unless they do something drastically different, this could be just a, a waste of time for him as we've seen some of these other players in the same situation before. Tyler, you got to look under the hood. You got to look under the hood. Uh, yes, no. Uh, it doesn't look like much right now, but she is going to be humming. They got thunder guts. Remember, they go out and get uh, the president and Trey Weaver from the, you know, from the Oklahoma City Thunder. They have a uh, coach of the year, Dwayne Casey. They just had to, they had to take out the trash. There was a lot of guys that were getting paid a lot of money that weren't doing much, including Oklahoma's own Blake Griffin. You know, you move him, you move Andre Drummond, you move Reggie Jackson. Now you have this young core. They got two guys on that team. Uh, Sadiq Bey was a first-team all-rookie guy, and Isaiah Stewart was a second-team all-rookie guy. Now you get a guy who, you know, just walking in with Cade Cunningham, the expectations is first-team all-rookie at the lowest. Uh, Jeremy Grant just got announced to the uh, USA Olympic team. Like I said, you're right. It looks like it's been beat up over the last couple of years. But look under the hood, and there's some really good parts there. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's good news. It's a good sign for uh, Kate Cunningham there. Jerry, I know you've been watching uh, these playoffs, and you know you might not have a rooting interest of some sorts. What do you make of what we've seen so far as it went to the conference finals? Imagine being the guy who said that Luka Doncic was so much better than Trey Young. No, I'm kidding. Look, everybody over the last couple of years has just uh, slow roasted Atlanta for the move whenever they moved for Trey Young and, and, and Luka Doncic. Kind of worked out for him this year. Trey has been fantastic. And just you look at what he did. He basically got Ben Simmons fired. You think about that. Uh, the problems in Philadelphia really, really started to show up. And all Trey did was play his game, get his guys involved. There's a weird chemistry. I look at the Atlanta team and how they're made up, and I just don't understand how it all fits together, yet it does, and they're moving on. What a run for those guys playing way over their head, including the, the win last night against Milwaukee. And uh, I'm just astonished by that. And I feel – I really do feel bad for somebody who's now going to look at Luca, who, you know, Rick Carlisle's gone. Their GM from like 14 years, gone. And that's all just in dismay. Just something happened there and just shows you just never know what's going to happen in sports. But the Atlanta Hawks, what what a story. What a fun ride with these guys. Oh, it is. And uh, you, you followed Trey Young for a long time back when he was in high school there in uh, Norman. Yeah. Are you surprised to see how far he's come along this quickly? What do you make of what Trey Young's doing here in this postseason? From I know – I. I, I never had any doubt that his passing was going to translate. I always thought that this guy is going to be able to uh, be a point guard, a serviceable point guard, you know, for sure in the NBA. I didn't think his size was going to matter. I thought his size was going to matter when it came to scoring and how much was he going to be able to score? What was his ceiling of scoring? But the way that the rules are set up, which they're going to review over the summer, uh, he is incredibly smart in how he takes advantage of that, gets to the free throw line, and his ability to finish at the rim with those floaters is impeccable. Uh, plus, he understands it. Once again, that it factor I'm talking about. He gets the moment. He knows how to do all that stuff. Trey Young, like you said, in Norman was a phenom. At Oklahoma was sort of an enigma because his teammates did not appreciate him as much. And that's kind of where the breakdown in that happened. Uh, that team sort of fell apart from the inside. But to get to the NBA and sort of figure out his footings, and I mean, Nate McMillan, 
I don't know what secret sauce he put that Louis Pierce didn't, but that all worked out for him. Yeah, it did. And uh, back in uh, in Norman, uh, I, you know, I remember talking to uh, Lon Kruger a couple years ago, uh, Jerry, him saying that you know the the one year with Trey made such a difference when it comes to recruiting. It's so much easier to sell that program. And same with Buddy, what he's done and such. Uh, I know Porter Moser's in charge now, but I, I still got to think that Trey Young still helps build that Oklahoma brand, that Oklahoma name. Uh, only does good things for them, I would think. No, absolutely. And that, that's a great thing. And Ray Young, you remember Ray Young played at uh, Texas Tech back in the day, but even Ray Young pushes that Oklahoma brand. And you can't, you cannot put a price tag on, you know, good players and what they do and superstar players, what they do for your program. I mean, like I said, Lincoln Riley. Uh, and what he's done and taking advantage of everything that he's done in the NFL. And it really does mean something to these kids. Remember, you're trying to appeal to 16 and 17 year old kids to get them on campus. And, you know, old fogies like me, uh, I'll tell you that Oklahoma's a, a brand and they've been a brand since the 50s. But honestly, a 17 year old kid who loves the gear from Jordan Brand and loves the thought that Kyler Murray was a guy or that Trey Young was a guy at OU, it means way more to him that that's happening than Billy Vessels winning a Heisman Trophy. <laughs> that's a great point. Uh, of that Hawks-Bucks series, you know the Hawks got game one. Would you like to ultimately pull it out of here? Seems like the Bucs uh, are playing for more than just a championship here. Uh, they're, they're playing to keep Giannis and uh, for Budenholzer's job, too. I think it's funny, too, that poor Bodenholzer, right? Uh, unfortunately, the Milwaukee job is not open just yet, Rick Carlisle. Sorry. Uh, you can't come take it over yet. You're going to have to wait a little while longer. And, uh, yeah, this is a legacy thing for Giannis. I think we'll forget in a couple of years and realize he was a two-time MVP, uh, all-defensive uh, NBA guy, defensive player of the year. This guy's a stud, and uh, sky's the limit for him. But right now, I don't think he realizes how close he is to cementing a legacy of being a generational player. And it really is getting to the finals, playing incredibly well, and maybe getting a chip. Uh, yeah, this is this is big for Giannis in the sense that to think, make that next step as a guy being a generational guy instead of just being one of the better guys of the decade, of being that guy. Uh, this really is, if, if Giannis can get a chip here, it, it separates him. What about the uh, other series, the uh, Suns and Clippers? Uh, Suns uh, win that miraculous game in a game two. What what a night that was. And uh, Monty Williams uh, has done a, a hell of a job. I mean, not just that play call at the end to Aiden, but really to get these guys to gel together. Uh, Jerry, you, you covered him when he was in Oklahoma City. I mean, that guy's been quite the story. Such a sad story about Monty Williams in Oklahoma City. I really do think that uh, Billy Donovan – uh, was basically putting him in training to if something ever happened, Monty Williams would have been the next coach for Oklahoma City. Uh, he loses his wife and, and, you know, and family in a car accident in Oklahoma City, has to step away from the game for a little while, reemerges in Phoenix. Uh, so that's a very sad tale. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately for Oklahoma City, uh, you know, they were a part of it. He was always going to be a good coach. Uh, people talked about Monty Williams and just being kind of that secret weapon uh, on the bench when it came to coaching. So everybody had him set up to be a good coach. No surprise. And he has a hell of an assistant coach when you talk about Chris Paul, uh, a guy go that deserves uh, – and, and honestly, if I had a vote, I would have voted him MVP. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that just spreads himself 
all over an organization. We saw it in Oklahoma City uh, when he came here. I think that Sam Presti had planned on making that year one of a replenish. Uh, it didn't happen because Chris Paul took the reins and brought those guys together to get you know into the playoffs. But Chris Paul, Monty Williams, is every reason in the world why this Suns team is – they look just incredible right now. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. And the way that Devin Booker has come along too – uh, I mean, it, it, this is so awesome to see how much they've grown in a, in a short amount of time. Uh, I mean, DeAndre Ayton, uh, we, we talk about, you know, Trey Young and Luca. DeAndre Ayton was the first pick of that draft, and now he's proven himself, too. He is absolutely a stud, and he does exactly what you want a big man to do. Can you believe that you can actually win with a team where you don't have a five that spreads the floor? I, what kind of NBA are we watching here? And Devin Booker, look. The guy's put up 72 points in an NBA game. You know that this guy is special. You know this guy is a scorer. I love how he's matured. He's sort of gotten to that area now. And I'm telling you, a lot of it has to do with Chris Paul, uh, to understand how to convey what you can do in your specialty into winning basketball games. And that's exactly what this year was for. And now you see him. And look, what what happened the other night with that DeAndre Ayton alley-oop? Booker set the pick. Booker was a guy that was physical and set the pick on there. So it's little things like that that, look, yeah, you're a special guy that can put 70 up in a uh, NBA game, but can you do the little things? And Booker's showing that he can. Yeah. Uh, who, who do you like in, uh, in that series? Do you think the Suns uh, hold on uh, after this good start? Is it too cliche to do the Suns in four thing, like the guy <laughs> the guy who threw the punches? Uh, first of all, I want to talk about that real quick. You want to talk about a comeback story. You have two Nuggets fans on you. The Nugget fan gets the pop shot, and usually, I don't know if you've seen how fights go like that, but that pop shot takes you, and you're down for the count. He's resilient. He comes back uh, from, the, from the pop shot, breaks the kid's nose, and does the Suns in four. That's a lot like the, uh, the Phoenix Suns here. A lot of people had him down, didn't think much of him. They get there. I don't know. The Clippers have so many professional basketball players, and I know they're all pros, but there are so many guys on there that score buckets in their sleep, that play this game, you know, sleepwalking, and that's kind of what they do throughout the season. It's going to be tough. Don't count the Clippers out. Uh, I like the Suns' momentum. I like their energy. I like the fact they're getting Chris Paul back, and the Clippers are not getting Kawhi anytime soon. Uh, I think that that helps the Suns' case. So I, I think it's going to be a lot tighter than people think, but I do think the Suns get to the finals. You covered Paul George, saw his time there in Oklahoma City, and the uh, playoff P moniker has been laughed at you know, for the last uh, several years. Uh, with the way things went down in game two, you're missing those free throws and such. Is this who Paul George is, or do we kind of make it bigger out than, what it, than what's really there? What, what say you as far as this whole – Paul George and, and Crunchdown. You kind of do it to yourself, don't you? Don't I mean, I, I was in the locker room for the playoff P announcement. Oh, you haven't seen playoff P uh, against the Utah series. He had a fantastic game one, and then Joe Ingles happened to him. Uh, I'm just – the guy just wa- – he's one of those guys that just wants to be adorned. He just – he knows he has – the proof is in the pudding. He has the game. He knows he can. But I, the guy in high school – that, you know, had a cool car, but he really wasn't one of the popular kids. He just kind of showed up to all the parties. That's what playoff P is. That's what Paul George is. He's not one of the cool guys. He just kind of lives next door to one of the guys and knows where all the stuff is. 
I thought he did a tremendous job carrying the Clippers when Kawhi went down. But you're right, the, the psychology of missing those two free throws and is pandemic P, is way off P, is he back? I don't know. I mean, that's for a game three to decide. You talk about the momentum of Chris Paul coming back. Paul George has a lot on his shoulders, and he's proven a lot more than he hasn't that he doesn't do well with that kind of pressure. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. If those four teams remaining, who do you like best, Jerry? I like the Milwaukee Bucks. I do like the Milwaukee Bucks. At the end of the day, they have the best player left in the NBA. That means something. And when they can get their three going between Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, uh, they have the defense to be versatile enough with Tucker and whoever they bring off off the bench or with Lopez uh, to stop anybody. Uh, And they've just been resilient. I mean, KD almost sent them home. If he's wearing a uh, size 15 instead of a 17, uh, they are home, but they were resilient through the overtime game. Uh, Like I said, I like Budenholzer is coaching for his job. So I like them getting to the uh, finals. Yes, it was a surprise uh, that the Hawks got him for game one, but I see them getting the finals. And if you ask me against either the Clippers or the Suns, I just I just like the Bucks defense and having the best player on the floor. Okay, we got a little bit of time left, so uh, Jerry, I do want to talk uh, some college football with you. What's uh, the feelings there in uh, Oklahoma about this uh, whole playoff expansion uh, to twelve teams? I would think that that means what uh, an automatic berth for OU about every year at this point. Okay, first and foremost, the expectations for OU football, I know this is going to surprise you, national championship. Uh, It's been that way since uh, Bob Stoops won the national championship in in, uh, 2000, Mm -hmm. and it's been that way every year. Every year, it's national championship or bust. Uh, Has Lincoln Riley been able to build where he can compete with the Alabama, Clemsons, and Ohio States? I think he has. Bringing on Alex Grinch and uh, the the defensive coordinator there, and just improving every single year. This is a special year because you look and Alabama has to replace a quarterback. Clemson has to replace their quarterback. Even Ohio State has their guy competing for a job in Chicago if he doesn't go ahead and take it. So I think this is the year that Oklahoma does have that offense and defense to compete. It's definitely a playoff win for sure is the expectation. So with, with the, the idea of the 12-team playoff, though, is uh... – is the belief uh, around there that with that system, uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to make the playoff every year? I mean, 12, first of all, 12 teams is just way too much. And I think we all know why it was 12 teams. My sweet spot is six. I love, oh, look at you. You're right. Throw it up. It's the money sign. No, absolutely. My sweet spot would be six. I think you get all the uh, conference champions in a wild card. I think it still makes it exclusive and special enough. I think eight would have been fine. Uh, that would have been a nice, so I would have been fine with eight. But 12, oh, my goodness. Like you said, too, the rich are going to get richer for the first couple of years. But here's what I think that Oklahoma fans and Alabama fans and uh, guys like that are short-sighted on. Now when you open up the party, now a lot more teams are going to get that national recognition. They're going to get that national brand. And teams like Oregon – uh, teams like, I don't know, like maybe Arizona gets hot or, you know, other teams, uh, Florida State, and they get back that national recognition that they've lost in the exclusivity of the national championship games in the, you know, the, the playoff series. So at first, the rich are going to eat. They're all going to eat. But I think as you see over time, it'll expand out and it's going to help other teams throughout the country. 
for Oklahoma State, they would kind of have to hope to have just the perfect storm in the current system to make the playoffs. Now it's 12 teams. That, that becomes a lot more realistic. I would think that OSU fans are, are the ones that are probably really excited. Now they actually have a chance to, to, to make it. And uh, based on history, uh, they, they probably would have made it a couple times the last decade if you had a 12-team system. What an enigma OSU fans are. They have a, a love-hate relationship with Mike Gundy. And when it's going good, they're still cautious of it. When it's going bad, they belt him, right? But all he's done is put together, no matter what kind of offensive line uh, problems they've had or whatever, he's always put together very special offenses. And when a defense comes together for OSU, they're going to be the second or third best team in the Big 12. It's just, it's a guarantee. So uh, like you said, with OSU fans, I don't know. I don't know what their expectations are. Uh, I'm hearing more that the 12-team thing gives Texas an automatic bid now to national prominence. And so that's, you know, especially with Sark as their new coach and uh, was it all gas, no breaks, just a whole new uh, revitalization of the Longhorns. Uh, OSU fans have not have been allowed in the offseason as uh, the Longhorn uh, contingency has. Well, Texas is always going to be loud. Uh I, I did find you'll find this funny, Jerry. Uh, the other day, uh, some one of the, the Texas sites put up a article uh, titled Five Reasons Why Texas Will Overtake OU This Year." Yeah, and I, it, I, I took a screenshot of even my phone would not load the article, uh, so I guess that was that was just meant to be. <laughs> Which, by the way, right off the bat, right that tells you there's a problem for all of everything. But uh, I actually I actually went over it <clears throat> on my show, and uh, it was – okay, here's the thing. It was they were going to unseat OU as the Big 12 ch- – they're just dethroning them, right? And one of the things was OU has never played a defense when an offensive mind as good as Sark has been at the helm, which means that when – and, and, you know, Tyler, this is how the article is written. When Texas takes the lead on Oklahoma – they will be able to keep the lead with the defense, you know, not having to play on its heels all the time. And that's what Oklahoma is when they get punched in the mouth like that. They've never faced it. Plus, here's another great one. Better quarterback play. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. I, I thought for years on end there that they had the best quarterback in the Big 12. Right. That's what I was told. And they told me every single year they had him. But no, 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 no. This year. They have better quarterback play. So once again, Casey Thompson, I guess, is going to go in there and uh, battle Spencer Rattler for Big Twelve Player of the Year. Okay, uh, battle of uh, an Oklahoma native and the current Oklahoma quarterback. Absolutely, that uh, that sounds fun. Um, before we go, uh, Jerry, you, you still watching any uh, NASCAR these days? I, you know what, NASCAR, I feel terrible, yeah, and I'll tell you why. I feel terrible. What did I tell you whenever we first started talking about the pandemic and what was available to watch? And, you know, NASCAR came through for me. NASCAR was there and gave me something exciting to watch every single week when all other sports were trying to figure it out. But I just, I had to, you know, I had to move on. I had to tell her, I was like, I'm sorry, sweetheart, but I'm watching basketball. You know, it wasn't wasn't NASCAR, it was me. And... uh, (laughs) And yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to find time in my schedule to fit it. And like I told you, the slow time in sports. I'm covering softball. I'm covering you know football recruiting. I'm covering the Thunder, and even as bad as they are, I'm covering all their draft stuff. 
and and oh, Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball has actually stepped in a little bit too. We got to get you out to a race, Jerry. That will take it to another level. We get I I don't disagree at all, and I am so game for it. So yes, I was just at Texas Motor Speedway a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the the hookup I had there. I stayed in a condo in turn two with a complete view of the track. It was unbelievable. I didn't have to go to like the media center or anything. I watched the whole race from uh, from the guy. Now the real flex would have been if you're doing it in your pajamas, like uh, drinking a mimosa. <laughs> now, now if you really want to live it up there, that's uh, that's how I would do. I would get uh, monogrammed pajamas and drink mimosas as I'm covering the sport. I think I'm gonna have to do that next time. <laughs> that, that's a must now. Now that you say it, uh, that that'll happen. <laughs> Jerry, before we go, plug it where people can find you and all the, uh, the, the great work you're doing in Oklahoma City. Uh, first of all, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, like I said, you are spectacular when you come on. You're so versatile and you can talk anything. Love having you on when we have you on. But uh, I am TV's Jerry at TV's Jerry uh, on Twitter uh, at Franchise OK. Uh, we are the flagship station for OU. But don't worry. We still like to uh, get in and dig a little bit about what's going on there at the University of Oklahoma. So we're not force-fed what to read or how to say it. So we have a lot of fun with that. Uh, I'm covering the Thunder um, in Oklahoma City. If you happen to be catching this, uh, next month we're going to be doing a uh, lottery draft party at the Rodeo Cinema in the Stockyards. It's going to be on a big movie screen, popcorn, beer specials. And uh, just sit around, and, and we kind of did the same thing for the lottery show. Had a lot of moans and groans, but at least you were there with a friend. So that's very important no matter what happens. Uh, make sure you have the buddy system and, and join us there. So uh, like I said, at TV's Jerry on Twitter, that is where I'm probably too active if you ask my wife. I love it. Jerry, thanks for the time. Enjoy your uh, stay in uh, Omaha, man. Hopefully we can catch up while you're in town. Uh, thanks that's for talking soon. That sounds fantastic. Thank you so much. A couple more things before we wrap up today's show, and we are not going to have Coach Bo's football fixed this week. Bo's off. We'll hear from him again in a couple of weeks. And this is also a good time to remind you as well that we're going to be off as a show next week as uh, I'll take that vacation going to Tampa. And uh, so we'll be back here in a couple of weeks to uh, kind of reset things and uh, go from there. So we'll have our summer vacation just like everyone else. And then I'll be back to business here in a couple of weeks here on the uh, Jones Report. But in the uh, meantime, uh, before we go, uh, I want to touch on the NCAA ruling uh, from the Supreme Court this week. As the Supreme Court uh, ruled in a 9-0 majority that the uh, NCAA can no longer uh, withhold players from getting outside scholarship money from uh, whether it's academic institutions or uh, whether it's uh, from outside uh, you know, donors of some sorts, whatever it may be. They can't hold them back from that. Uh, can't hold them back from post-grad scholarships or uh, study abroad programs, uh, you know, trying to get computers, you know, stuff like that. Basically, Right now, the way the system is set up is that if you are an athlete, you can only accept athletic scholarships, which is just BS um, because you are not getting what you're worth. Okay. 
Um, you could be a 4.0 student who has all these scholarship opportunities and chances to get free money, essentially, on top of having your school already paid for from your athletic scholarship, but you can't. Uh, as the NCAA viewed that as an improper benefit, even though you were doing your job. Now, other students uh, had every right to get every scholarship they could possibly get out there. All that money, uh, all those opportunities, uh, they, uh, they had a chance to do that, but the uh, student athletes did not. So now the Supreme Court ruled uh, in favor of the former players that put this case out there. And uh, Justice Cavanaugh uh, said pretty plainly, the NCAA is not above the law. And since then, we have seen that the NCAA, as the uh, NIL uh, is uh, you know, approaching, as we're about to see more states legalize it here in the next few months, about 17 states, I believe, to be exact, and there's a federal bill that's waiting and such. After this ruling went down and didn't go the NCAA, the way the NCAA wanted it to, uh, the NCAA is now going to waive the enforcement bylaws to allow athletes to have their NIL rights uh, immediately. Under the plan, schools adhere to the state NIL laws. Those without a law can create their own NIL policy as long as they follow NCAA guidance. Uh, Jeff Goodman of uh, Stadium reported, one university director of compliance just texted me. So now I have one week to write up a policy for an entire department. This is ridiculous. No, this is the NCAA. So uh, SCOTUS makes the right call, an easy decision, and helps the players. And now we're seeing even more movement. Uh, the NCAA, Tom, uh, we have said for a long time, the NCAA sucks. Uh, you know, I think... Brian Bosler had it right before anybody back in the 80s when he called them the uh, uh, national communists against athletes. Welcome to Russia. Um, he was kind of ahead of his time on that. And now we're seeing the dismantling of the system. This is the end of the NCAA as we know it. The players are, are taking the power that's rightfully theirs, their money that they deserve, that uh, has been stolen from them for quite some time. And, and uh, all of this is a very good thing. Yeah, it is. And then uh, it's about time. And, you know, this is the most movement we've seen uh, pretty much ever. And it, and it pretty much, you know, started and finished pretty quickly. I mean, this was, you know, you know, with Oklahoma and California doing the, you know, right to pay the players and things like that. One very too long after that, that they were just like, all right, well, we're uh, everyone's on board with this now. Um, so just as quickly as it started, it kind of, it kind of ended, uh, and not in the NCAA's favor. I think they were, you know, thinking that the courts were going to help them out and save them. Um, and, and I'll, you know, obviously ultimately ruled against them. Uh, and, and now, you know, Mike, Mark Emert's probably his pants right now. Um, just thinking, Hey, what are we going to do? I mean, is there, there's, there's no plan for the NCAA. I mean, they can't, they're, they're finished. No. Yeah. They're thinking on the fly at this point, trying to save face and figure out what they want to do. And I've said for a long time, Tom, that the uh, conferences need to just separate from the NCAA, that they can have their own sanctioning body 
and do things without the NCAA. The only reason why the NCAA even exists is to be the fall guy for the conferences uh, when it comes down to punishments and decision-making and such. The NCAA takes all the blunt. The conferences sit back and uh, collect checks. And now we've seen that the NCAA, this system, is, is not working. It hasn't worked for a long time, but now they're finally being held accountable for it. And I don't think that they're going to survive. I think things are going to change, uh, whether that means college football and college basketball leave the NCAA or whether everyone leaves it all together. Um, I, I do think that we, we are going to move forward with the NCAA in the uh, rearview mirror at this point. Yeah, so that's – and it's going to be very interesting to watch over – I mean, this year, next year, just just even a short amount of time. I think it's going to be super interesting to watch how the face of college athletics uh, changes because, I mean, this is – I mean, granted, it didn't take too long to just change once they got the ball rolling. This, this change, I think, is going to be – once, once the ball gets rolling, once someone like takes the first step on and on a, a different change, this is going to completely change the whole face of college athletics. It's it's going to be unprecedented. It, it's, um, and now, um, you talk about the uh, NIL uh, coming up here, and you know if you're a state that has crafted a law that says okay. Uh, you have to split up your rights evenly among your student athletes, like Georgia has. All of a sudden, Kirby Smart and Georgia and everybody, you're you're pissed off. You're saying, "Oh crap! Uh, now this is in place. Now it's effective. Now uh, we're we're in trouble. Uh, how am I ever going to recruit a player at this university? Schools that are in states like Oklahoma and Florida and others that have said, "Okay, we're going to give you." the rights to your players to keep every dollar they make, they're in good shape. The laws are in the books there. Now, the other schools that don't have a law in place, that's actually a good spot to be in now, Tom, because you get to craft it as a university how best you see fit. You don't have government overhead. You don't have uh, you know, those powers writing that up for you. That's an interesting predicament now to be in if you're a state that doesn't have that law and now the now you get to write it up as you see fit. And uh, if you do it right, you should do it to completely your benefit to uh, what's best for you, your university here. I mean, you may only have a week to write something up like we've heard some athletic directors and compliance people complain about. But nonetheless, you get to write it up the way you want to. And that's a good thing. Right. And, and, you know, granted, if it's going to be in a week, I mean, I'm throwing all my resources, all my time and money into, you know, writing the best, I guess you'd call it a policy, um, to, you know. I'm hiring all the best lawyers I know right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm writing it to, like you said, the university's benefit. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned no government, government overhead oversight, none of that. Like it's, 
essentially a free-for-all, but it should have been this a long time ago. I mean, uh, it's going to be really interesting how the face of recruiting even changes now um, and, and who can offer what. And, and you know, essentially free-for-all, is it going to be a little chaotic? Uh, I could see it being a little chaotic, but I think it's, I think it's for the best and, and it's, it's, I'm excited that we are around for this and, and get to be able to follow this so closely because it's going to be, it's, it's going to be awesome. Well, and now we had George this uh, off season as uh, you know, I say off season, it's recruiting season. And, you know, Tom, I, I, I hate following high school recruiting, but now I'm very intrigued. This off, you know, this uh, recruiting season more than ever because now you've allowed campus visits. They've been going on for a few weeks now for the first time in 15 months, and now you have this NIL lingering as well. Uh, signing day in December is going to be very, very fascinating to see how this all unfolds here. I mean, this is uh. This is going to be like something we've never seen before. Uh, you know, I know recruiting gets obnoxious and trying to follow high school kids. And, you know, they don't even know what they're going to eat for breakfast, let alone what college they're going to go to. But uh, knowing how this is all played out, uh, I will have extra interest than I, than I ever had before to see what type of maneuvers these schools can come up with. If, uh, if they can promise, you know, a, a car deal of some sorts to a player if he comes or, uh, if they can, you know, what, whatever workarounds they can come up with now, the, uh, the gates have opened. Right. Does this mean, uh, Rhett Bomar has his eligibility back? Uh, yeah. I mean, Rhett Bomar, uh, obviously he's going to start over Spencer Rhett. I was thinking so, but I mean, in all seriousness, uh, call this the Rhett Bomar rule, the Rhett Bomar they... Manziel Memorial. <laughs> yeah, right. Even even play a game in their honor, name the bowl after them, and it's you know first player to score a touchdown gets a new car, and second player to score gets an advertisement deal. And then in the third quarter, uh, like Reggie Bush, you get a house. Right, right. Just start giving stuff away. Like a fourth quarter, you get uh, you get money uh, from to uh, Cam Newton's church. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could. I'm sure the 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 parodies of this are going to be crazy. There's then if you go to you over, if you go to overtime, then you get uh, the attractor that SMU gave Craig James. I mean, <laughs> it's about to it's about to kick up. And... I think so. I, I mean, I think some of that stuff obviously goes on still anyway. Just maybe not in. Um, Maybe not in drastic fashion, um, but I, I think all is fixing to come to light. I mean, I, I think it's going to be absolute free for all on on players getting just different benefits. And okay, here's yeah. here's one idea for you. Um, we'll we'll kind of end it on this. Who is going to be the first like business of some sorts? to come out publicly and say, hey, so-and-so, come to, let's let's name a school, Ohio State, and uh, 
we're going to give you an uh, X amount of money to be our spokesman and, and give you a car or whatever. I mean, like, who's going to have that first social media or public campaign of a business to try to attract a player? It's going to happen. Oh, yeah, you know it. I mean, it'd be like, hey, come to Stillwater. You can be the Eskimo Joe's spokesman. We'll put you on a shirt and you get free cheese fries and beer when you're 21. <laughs> I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, what? I mean, who, who's to say that the owner of Magic City Wings couldn't be like, hey, come, you know, come to Georgia and we'll free wings and lab dances for your tenure at the university? I, I mean, I don't know. That's just funny i just using that because haha magic city but i mean it could really be anything uh, i mean any business i know if i owned a business in stillwater and just had bukus of bucks to give away i would be i would be like all right i'm going don't after the top wish. people i'm i'm giving away cars houses money i mean i'm doing it all i'm don't making you wish, I'm, I'm don't you wish t boone would have been around for this oh my can you imagine holy shit we osu would have won the however many championships he would just be given he would it would be like the NFL they'd be like okay well we'll sign you on a four year deal at hundred thousand dollars a year right boom um, and you know what you know what's really interesting about that too I wonder if it will change if it if it does get that crazy where it's like hey you can make this money. How and this is a conversation probably for another day too, and and we'll see it change maybe change, but how is that going to affect players staying around in college? You know, to instead of foregoing their senior season, um, you know, staying around and collecting that extra money if they can, or you know, we see a lot of the bowl games players sit out because they don't want to risk injury, rightfully so. Is the, will that change at all? I don't know if I'm looking too much into it, um, but I think that could sway some to maybe stay around for longer instead of testing the draft. Um, maybe so, maybe not. Maybe at that point they're too good. They're going to make that more money in the NFL anyway. But what was the joke um, about Reggie Bush and Matt Liner? Why they came back for their uh, senior year at USC because they didn't want to take the pay cut in the NFL? Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not ruling that out. I mean, that could happen. Um, and, you know, a lot more could be – a lot more could go on. Okay. Um, Here's that's one about to come to life. Here's one more for you. Uh, I know I said we'll end on this earlier, but I got one more for you. Uh, 18-year-old Thomas Bridges, uh, who was – if you think he's crazy now, just wait till if you knew him back then. 18-year-old um, Thomas Bridges, let's go to the hot tub time machine, is the number one player in the country. And uh, he's looking at all these schools. What would be your demands? What would you say now that this NIL thing is happening uh, that you want if you're going to come to somebody's school? Um, first off, I don't want to live in a dorm if I don't have to. Um, maybe like apartment housing. Um, definitely that would be on the list. Um, a new car wouldn't hurt <clears throat> or just reliable transportation. I mean, it didn't have to be a brand new car. Um, but be, I mean, because think about that. If, if I said, okay, 18 year old Thomas Bridges is going to play quarterback for Oklahoma state. And I go in there and just absolutely fucking suck. But I got this house paid for 
this car, you know, brand new car. I'm driving around campus and everyone's like, you just threw five interceptions last game. You're driving around a freaking brand new car that's paid for by the university or different things like that. I don't know if I would go too crazy because, I mean, think about that. If you get all this and it doesn't work out or you're not, you know, you, you're not that good of a player the what you hope to be. I think people are going to be like, well, give us that car back. You know, is is there going to be more – is it going to be upfront incentives or is it going to be like, okay, well, you led the, led the team in tackles and had two interceptions last game. Here's a, you know, $10,000 bonus. I'm honestly surprised that you did not mention, like, any women involved of some sort. Any what? Any women involved. No, no, because if you're number one player in the nation, then that just comes with it. I mean, you don't even have to – if you're the number one player in the nation going and, and making money from playing football in college, uh, the women will come. That you, you don't even need to put that on the list. I mean, think of – I remember Mason Rudolph and, and being on the strip on, on Washington Street and literally Mason Rudolph just walking right in um, – to just anywhere there was a line, Mason Rudolph's getting right in. Uh, no problem. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. <clears throat> and just some of the stories I heard about. Well, Baker Mayfield's getting tackled by the police. Right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're that good of a player, the women will just flock over you. That's just how it works. I mean. No, you're right. Um, Tom, before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week for this week. What we're going to head to this guy. Jones, we often talk about food on this show, and we we love to rank uh, our fast food top choices and just different stupid stuff that, that these fast food restaurants do. Well, this one is uh, pretty tomfoolery, and I don't, I don't know why no one did this before, and I would not have expected Popeyes to do this. So I, I couldn't I can't tell you which one who I would have thought would have done this first, but it would have been Popeyes. But it is. Popeyes introduces new I don't know meal for undecided eaters. Don't know what you want to eat? Popeyes comes to the rescue with new I don't know meal at participating locations. Tata is the perfect meal when your partner does not know what to eat. The I don't know meal includes the brand's fan favorite chicken sandwich paired with a free premium lemonade when ordered online or via the app. Simply select the deal in the offer section online or in the brand's mobile app. The I don't know meal can be found at participating locations start or nationwide for a limited time starting today, June at 24, 2021. Jones, I don't know what to think about this I don't know meal. Uh, I don't even know why they called it the I don't know meal because it's just a fucking chicken sandwich. So it's not the I don't know. It's that, okay, if you know, they say give me whatever. Well, just give me a chicken sandwich. Well, I could have done that. I'm, I'm I'm not just going to be like, well, just give me the I don't know meal. I think if the I don't know meal is a is a choice, I think automatically it should be a random. They should click it, and there should be a system that just randomizes your order. And then that's what you get. I, wasn't I mean, there, wasn't there like a, a sucker of some sort uh, that used to have like a mystery flavor you didn't know what you were going to get? I mean, there's the dum-dums that have the mystery flavor, but, I mean, by the color, you can kind of tell them what you're going to get most of the time. Right. 
But the I don't know meal, why don't you just call it the, you know, <laughs> essentially it's the, I'll take a number one from Popeye's. It's this marketing stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. The Travis Scott at McDonald's, I, I thought that was, okay, solid ideal. That This is just, this is tomfoolery. It's such bullshit. No, I'm not going to order the I don't know meal if, if you're going to already tell me what is in the I don't know meal, then I'll just order a chicken sandwich like the I don't know meal already provides. A free premium lemonade, my ass. <laughs> if, I, if that's what I wanted, that's what I would have got. If I mean, since they already tell you the I don't know meal, then now you know it's a chicken sandwich. So if you don't want the chicken sandwich, you know, then I guess you would know, but... You know, them saying, here's our chicken sandwich. We have a lot of indecisive people in our society today. And this seems right up their alley. But at the same time, I think about it, if there's indecisive folks, I could still be thinking that they'll be like, well, um, I don't know if I don't know what that is. Uh, I don't think that if you're indecisive, it helps. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's just like, why would you even call it that? Why wouldn't you just call it a uh, chicken sandwich and lemonade? I'm, I'm really thinking about tweeting to Popeyes and being like, listen, guys, just randomize the order. Or who have, let, let your worker decide what these people are about to get if they order the I don't know meal. If, it, if it's just a chicken sandwich, just say that. Right. Maybe I'm too much of an uproar about this, but listen, that is a terrible marketing strategy. Like, actually do something with it. Or just, you know, if you call it the I don't know, like, really like the I don't know what Popeye was thinking meal. Because this is just a sex chicken sandwich with the lemonade. Well, there's no creativity behind this. When I go out to eat fast food, Tom, I know usually exactly what I'm going to get ahead of time. I don't eat fast food just to eat fast food. I go there for a specific reason and for, for something I want. Yeah, I mean, usually if I'm craving something and I'm like, okay, well, I'll just go to Raising Cane's or I'll go to Sonic or Whataburger. Uh, I mean... Popeyes is okay. This makes me this this takes this is some shit Culver's would do. <laughs> uh, I think we're a very anti-Culver's show. We should be. I've never even eaten at Culver's, but I already know I wouldn't like it. Now, are you anti-Popeyes now? No, no. I'm, I like Popeyes. I'm just saying this is dumb. The food's still good. Sure. You know, but it's just like, okay, if I want a chicken sandwich, I'll say that. Right. If I just say the I don't know meal, they can up the creativity and let the workers there get some craziness happen and just whip some shit up in the kitchen that is different or, you know, unexpected every time. If I just go order the I don't know meal five times, it's going to be a chicken sandwich and lemonade every single time. So... You're telling me that it doesn't change. It is that every single time. Yeah, it's just a chicken sandwich and a lemonade. 
So it's not even, I don't know anymore. I know exactly what it is. So it's, it's false advertising. You do know. Yeah. I mean, if, if I said, I don't know what I want, they're just saying, well, you get a chicken sandwich then. <laughs> okay. I guess. I mean, I was going to get the freaking chicken sandwich from Popeye's anyway. Oh, uh, is that your order at, at, uh, at uh, Popeye's? I mean, yeah, I haven't eaten at Popeye's in probably, I don't know, I don't know, probably six months. But yeah. before, I haven't really had fast food really since uh, this, I did the 75 hard. I mean, unless you count, like, takeout pizza as fast food, I, I don't count that as fast food. I, I, I count, like, going through the drive-thru and picking something up once you order it from the screen, you know, 20 feet prior. That's fast food to me. Sonic fast food. I think I've, I've had Sonic once since 75 hard, but uh, I was trying to think about this the other day. I haven't had any other fast food. I haven't had Whataburger since January. Um, just one of those things. I don't even ever think about it. Um, or I'm usually just at home. So okay. I'm going to take out pizza guy, but... The item is actually just a chicken sandwich. Right. I mean, anybody else could do this. And just, okay, the chicken sandwich from Popeye's and Eliminate? Okay. Well, if Sonic wanted to do one, it'd be like, oh, well, I guess we're going to give you a supersonic cheeseburger and uh, a freaking ocean water slush. I don't, Call think, that the, any, I don't, know I don't think I've had no. an ocean water slush before. You never had a blue slush from Sonic? No. Oh my God, that's the more tomfoolery here. That's the best slush. I need you to go do that today. I'll do it today for you, Tom. Just for you. And I need a I need a picture of it. Yeah, one sip. Everyone knows the rules. You might as well because it's about to change your life. As long as you like like blue coconut, like tropically coconut. Oh, I don't like coconut. Oh. Oh, what is wrong with you? Like I will not eat almond joys. No, so it doesn't taste like, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's coconut inspired. Okay. Maybe, but it didn't taste like coconut, but it's, it's weird. Like, I don't I don't know how to explain it. It like an almond joy? No, <laughs> no. Um, so on the I don't know meal, uh, our, our quick course correction on this is just to go ahead and make it a mystery item. They can It can stay on the menu, but you have to surprise the customer each time with something different. Right, and then you know the if if in that case the customer pretty much foregoes any say in it because if you give them something they don't like they can't just be like oh no I I, I don't like this right. no you said you didn't know you didn't you know. didn't say <laughs> right now I love and, to Wait. be I mean as long as I didn't go to McDonald's and they're like the I don't know meal and they like turn around and give me the flail fish. Man, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I, I mean, I've never had a flail fish either. So Neither have I. I mean, yeah, I'm not trying to try it either. Right. And you've never had the big man. You, all, uh, if I'm I've, never had the, I've never had the McRib either. If I'm going to have this ocean slush, then you got to have a big man. That's fair. Okay. We'll do it. We got to go. Big thanks to Jerry Ramsey for joining us off next week 
as uh, I'll be on vacation in uh, Tampa. We'll see you in two weeks back here at the Jones Report. Follow us on Twitter at Conway Jones Live at Thomas Jones Bridges at TJ Media Group, Facebook.com forward slash Conway Jones Live. Uh, Tyler Jones Media Group, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Tyler Jones Live, Instant Comics, is where you can find us there. And uh, we appreciate you joining us. Have a great couple weeks, everybody. We'll be back soon. So long.